apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L, call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to me, taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not or even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin Afrio. And we got an old-school Big East matchup, a big rivalry here in New England tonight as the Providence Friars head to stores to take on the UConn Huskies. Both teams come into the game 20-7. and UConn trying to get revenge from what happened in, in January when they lost to Providence 73-61. Uh, to I mean, this is a this is going to be a, this is going to be a Big East battle. It's going to be a competitive game. These two teams do not like each other. These two fan bases do not like each other. So this should be a very very interesting game between these two teams. And we'll start with you, Justin. What are the biggest three biggest keys? What are the biggest things UConn has to do tonight to get revenge against the Friars? Number one is their defense got to come to play because the Friars their their offense has been really good this year, top twenty efficiency wise. But what Primes like to do is they like to get to the basket. They like to get to the foul line. They average 22 free throw attempts a game. They shot 35 in the first meeting. You got to keep that down. Uh, that, that's a huge thing. They're not a they're a decent three point shooting team, but you know they they want to get to the rack. They, they you know they want to draw fouls. So that's the one for me. You know you, you, the the defense. You got to keep them away from the basket. Number two is. You can't let Bryce Hopkins beat you. Um, it's kind of a two-man show. I, I, with Hopkins and Carter, they've been kind of their two big offensive guys, but Hopkins right now still battling for player of the year in the Big East. He's got a really good case. Um, I assume he puts Jackson on from the start. I know Carabin's getting better defensively, but I feel a little bit better still with Andre Jackson guarding Hopkins. Um, you can't let him go off. Bynum's been very hit or miss, you know, Croswell had 13 to 13, but he went to the three throw line 10 times last time. Like I feel, you know, Hopkins and Carter, the two guys, you kind of slow down. Um, you know, they, they got a good chance. And that last one is Hawkins got us. Hawkins needs like another, you know, 20 um, point performance for him. He's been kind of the anchor of the offense. He's been really good the last month. Um, you know, he, he's somebody that they, that they need to kind of run their offense through. He's got to have a big game tonight. Um, for you kind of, again, it's going to be physical. It's going to kind of be like the scene, the way Providence kind of plays. It's like, you know, seeing how they're, they're going to be like physical with them. Um, he's getting great. He gets grabbed a lot every time coming off screen. So again, hopefully, you know, he can get caller two coming off those. He's been great to breathe on, but they need Jordan Hawkins tonight to kind of continue his rise right now in the mock drafts of 
of the first round. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And you talked about, you know, not letting Providence get to the basket. That is that is a huge key because Providence is not a good three-point. I think there's one good three-point shooter on Providence, and that's that Locke guy, Noah Locke. Yeah. And he got three three-pointers in the last in the last meeting. So I think it's very critical for UConn not to let Providence get to the basket. You know, maybe sag off the perimeter. If if they got if you got to force Providence to shoot threes, have them shoot threes because that's not their that's not their game. So yeah, I think a big key for UConn tonight is to uh is not to let Providence get to the basket like they did last last time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is, you know. And yeah, Locke Locke's actually he he's very street at home he's shooting during Biggie's play, it's right about 50%. On the road, it's been he's um like 32%. So he has not been as good on the road as he's been at home shooting. Um, but yeah, he's probably their best one. You know, Carter's decent. Carter's really starting to kind of play better. But yeah, stop making sure that problems cannot get the basket as many times they did. Um, is going to be a huge key in this one. You know, their man-to-man defense is getting better. You've kind of been able to see it the last couple of weeks, but tonight it's it's got to definitely uh, bring their A game tonight. If they they want to win this game. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, defense has got to be it's got to be stingy. It's got to be really really good. They got to defend really well because they didn't defend last time. They gave up seventy three points. But now I'm going to get to my keys in this game, and number one is contain Bryce Hopkins. They and just like you, coach. But your second point was my first point is they got to con- they got to contain uh, Bryce. They got to contain Bryce Hopkins. If they can contain Bryce Hopkins, I think they I think they have a really good chance. He was twenty seven points last game. He he definitely was the best player on the floor and looked like the best player on the floor against against him last time. So uh, we got our boy. We got our boy back in the chat with Xander. Uh, we definitely yeah Xander. Another tough year for your Dallas Cowboys. Another 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 predictable ending for your Dallas Cowboys, like it always ends in the divisional round. But it's great to have you back in, in the chat. And uh, if you, and, hey, if you're if you want to talk about if you want to talk about the UConn game, don't mind commenting there too. But yeah, love having our boy Xander back in the group in the in the chat. But back to the game. Yeah, they got to they got to contain Bryce Hopkins. That is the that is crucial crucial for UConn tonight. Can't let him have the big games he had last time. Uh, number two, they got to, and, and, and you, you talked about that. You talked about uh, Jordan Hawkins is one of your points too. They got to get Jordan Hawkins going and they got to get Sanago going. They only had 24 points combined in the game uh, out in Providence tonight. They have to get those two going. They have to get those two, those two got to combine for at least 30 to 35 points for this team to win this game. They got to get those two guys going. And and oh here 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 we go hey hey it's, it's not even been five seconds and my Cowboys get mentioned oh the love brother oh they they, they always do when Xander's in the group Xander's yeah. in the chat they always get mentioned you know because because yeah. the thing about the Cowboys is you always know the ending you always know yeah. the ending with the Cowboys you know they're gonna be good you know they're gonna be competitive but you always know they're not gonna reach the conference championship game but 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 uh, back to UConn yeah they they have to uh they, 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 uh. Hawkins and Sanago got to have good games. And and lastly, they got to be better from three. Five for 22 from three-point range. They got to be better from three. And if they're not better from three-point range, they're going to have a hard time winning this game. So contain Hopkins. Hawkins and Sanago got to get going, and they need to be better from three. Those are my keys. Yeah, no. Yeah, they, they definitely got to shoot the three-ball better. Um, that That's a big one for them. You know, they've, they've been very streaky at times. They're starting to, you know, You'd hope kind of starting around the quarter. I get Saturday was ugly, but that's kind of again when seeing when you know Holloway gets his guys for that defense, that that seeing all teams gonna be that's gonna be a brutal matchup every time facing them in the future. They they were not good Saturday. Usually they do shoot better at Gamble than they do anywhere else. You know, usually the rooms there are pretty friendly to them. So yeah, you know, they, they're gonna need like a Carabin Carabin to knock down some shots. Tristan Newton, if he can get a good game out of him tonight, would be huge, especially because. Providence is kind of small at the guard position, so he's going to have a couple inches on whoever guards him. So, yeah, you know, guarding the, the three-point shot is going to be huge in this one. Um, and then, yeah, and then actually I kind of want to mention this. I just – and just for UConn, too, tonight, you're one of four now against Providence since – or one of five, I believe it is. One of four or one of five against Providence since coming back in the Big East. I feel like for morality's sake for this team, like you got to kind of – you got to kind of believe that you can beat Providence. You know, especially because it really looks like it's going to you're going to have to play them in the first round or there's a good chance you may have to face them the first on the biggest tournament. You you know, you like to get them here. So you kind of believe that you can knock them out when you get to the garden, you know, in two weeks. So, you know, I, I think that's a big one, too, tonight for him is kind of believe that they can find a way to beat these guys. But Cooley's own Dan Hurley, I think he's 10 and two against Dan. So 
Yeah, because we Nothing all remember good. him in the URI uh, URI Providence days. Yeah, oh yeah, they got into one year. I think maybe in the first second year they got into it late in the game, got in a little scuffle almost. But yeah, Ooh. you know, um, you know, that, again, you know, Cooley's done a great job. That program's really he's really turned that program around. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it, it's going to be a fun battle with the Friars over the next kind of several years here, being back in the Big East. So yeah, I feel like UConn too tonight, kind of jump out on them and believe that you can knock these guys off. And you talk about their one and four record against the Friars. That one win was during the COVID years. There was no fans. So yeah. uh, when there's been fans, they haven't been able, they, they haven't been able to beat Providence. So this is, this, this is obviously a huge, huge game and definitely a morale boost that they win. Now the big question is, is since UConn has, you know, rejoined the big East, you know, some of these rivalries have, have redeveloped like, like against Villanova against Providence. But the big question is now is Providence UConn's biggest rival in the big East. I'm still going to say no. I'm still going to say Villanova because historically them and Villanova have, I think the rivalry has gone longer and they both have been really good at the same time longer. Providence, especially in the old Big East, was a little bit down for most of the time. And, you know, last year they had a really good year. They won the regular season in the Big East, but I still, I'm still going to go Villanova. I'm still going to go Villanova. But I think eventually now that Jay Wright's gone, I think because geographically these two schools are so close and I know the Providence fans can't stand UConn. And the mm-hmm. UConn fans are starting not to stand, are starting to hate Providence too. I think eventually this might be the, their their biggest rival. But right now, I'm still going to go with Villanova. I'll take the other side. I'll go Providence here. Ooh, ooh. You know, you've been I, at games I, too, so you know what you've been at games, so you know. Yeah, I yeah, you know, I I, I think UConn and Nova fans like I think there's a lot of respect for each other for what they've done. Yeah. You know, I, and I know like the fan base wise for UConn Providence, it's it, again you go on social media, it's it's, it's nuts. I like I. Go! I went on like the province fan board today. It just, it's, you know, like there's a lot of hate for, you know, for, for both these fan bases that they can't stand each other. I, I think right now, I think, you know, UConn province, cause I know that was, it's province is always a big one for them playing UConn. It's great. This is the first time UConn's playing province as a ranked team since 1989. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, you, mean, you, you mean Providence being ranked or? or yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, Providence, yeah, Providence being ranked. Wow, first time since, wow, that's a long time. Since the, oh no, before. No, that the, was first year of uh, our buddy Rick Barnes. Oh, 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 gotcha, gotcha. So that was, yeah. that was post-Patino, but still, the old yeah. Big East days. The old, old yeah. Big East days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was Calhoun's like third year, second or third year. I know, that's the, when UConn started to yeah. develop their program. Yeah, so yeah, 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 so it's been that long. But I just feel like for a fan base wise, there's a lot, I see a lot more hate for UConn and Providence fan bases than I do because I do think UConn like I I really respect what Nova's done and all that and and I think those fan bases I have a lot of respect to what Cooley did as well I feel like St. John's bigger rivalry versus UConn uh that that come on Xander that's the old days we're going back to they, they, they had a little bit of a run there in the early in the late 90s early 2000s but 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 I think that I think that in the big east I think I think that Providence is the bigger rival. I definitely think Providence fans are a little bit more passionate than St. John's fans to, to me. Yeah, St. John's. I think for St. John, I think maybe their biggest rival is us. I would think for the Big East. Again, they won the women loan. The St. John's women beat the UConn women. I saw. Last night. So I they, saw. They, they started, they're calling like a XL uh, Carnesecca North now. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. exactly I mean, they could take yeah. the XL Center, but so maybe for St. John's per wise, I could see that being like UConn's their biggest one. Um, but yeah, I like for me, like UConn province was never a big thing for me growing up because province, as you mentioned beforehand, was yeah. so great. But the, now, the, the like big, the, the, the big teams were Pitt, Syracuse, th- th- yeah. those were the big rivals growing up. Yeah, there was, you know, Georgetown. Like, I feel like maybe Georgetown gets it going again. That's because there was always so many big games with Georgetown as well. You know, I could definitely see Nova being there. Um, I'd have them right now, number second, but I, I just with the passion of these fan bases. With these two coaches already having some history, I know they're both they both are front down. They respect each other what they've done. Um, I, I just feel like with the fan bases, the passion of it, and again, I just again like that game at the Garden. They play Thursday afternoon. That I I don't know how you're gonna get everybody out of there for the for the nightcap because yeah, because there the could be some, there could be, be there could be some brawls. There could be some brawls. Oh, I there's yeah. some brawls between the, 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 the if they play in the Thursday game. And will the fans travel for that game? You think if they play? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, really? Providence I know is on spring break, so there may be some problems. Oh, I, oh, there's there's gonna be a lot of students there if they're on spring break. Oh, yeah. there's, and seeing that the team is good, there's gonna be a lot of students uh, down there. Uh, oh yeah, for the Big East tournament. 
Yeah, I couldn't imagine um, that that there will be. So yeah, I like I bet Thursday afternoon that thing's gonna be split, and whoever's that one seed is it's who it's gonna be it's gonna, all UConn Province fans. It's gonna be Mark. nine seed. Yeah, it's gonna yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and oh yeah and it's Marquette's gonna be the one seed. So yeah, it's yeah. gonna be tough because you know those UConn and Providence fans are gonna root against them. Oh yeah, so whoever's in that eight nine game, got a lot of fans there. Um, yeah, but for neutral, but yeah, I just I feel like for all, all that because I don't feel like UConn Nova fans really getting a brawl. Like I I feel talking for the fan bases, I think it's UConn probably. Like I think, you know, like UConn like Providence really didn't bother UConn back then. I know Providence I think knocked them off twice in the early two thousands when they were in the top five. But like other than that, like I never really thought of it as a rivalry. Now since coming back, it's like you know, I definitely have acquired a lot more hate for problems than I did you know a decade ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they're competitive. I mean, and, yeah. and that, that and that builds rivalries. Like back in the day, UConn Syracuse was always a rivalry because both schools were competitive. And those games at the Big East tournament were legendary. Mm-hmm. Same with Pitt. Those three straight years they played in the Big East final. Those games were legendary as well. Even back in the in the in the and then, and then we'll go back to the two thousands with with, uh, with 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 St. John's. Those games were big because those two teams were competitive. And then you go back to the AAC days with Cincinnati. It was the same thing. I think you're starting to see this now with Providence. I think this rivalry is really starting to grow. It's close between me and between them and Nova. It is close. I'm still taking Nova, but I think it's definitely getting really close. Oh yeah, it definitely has. It it, it definitely has. Yeah, you know, UConn Providence yeah, back in the day didn't really have too many big battles. You know, it was before really Calhoun got that thing going, and Providence, you know, already kind of made their two Final Four runs there in the '80s. So yeah, you know, they, UConn's had a lot more history. Yeah, in the Big East with St. John's, Georgetown, Nova, Syracuse. Um, you know, those have kind of been the big ones. You know, yeah, those Syracuse ones. That was one. I was at the last UConn Syracuse one. You know, that 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 place was split and that was an ugly basketball game. But you know, it it, it that you know, um, there was always a lot of hate for both those fan bases. There's there still is. You wish they still played, but yeah, I, I feel like yeah, UConn Nova, I mean Province and Nova are are definitely very close for, for me, biggest rivalry. But yeah, I, I just I have to go province. I feel like I just it just you know it feels weird seeing province at the top of the uh, at 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 the standing. It's like I kind of want to you know you want to knock them off. I want to I just because again part of me is I don't you know like I, I just I need some confidence that we could beat province. And I just you know Nova a lot of respect for Nova. It's been down a year. Justin Moore has really helped. That's a team that's going to make a run in the Big East tournament, but. Um, right now, I just a little bit towards more. I, I think UConn Province right now is a little bit. I, I take that a little bit right now, or a little bit over than um, Georgetown. I mean, UConn Nova for rivalry. Yeah, both both are good rivals, and it is nice to have UConn back in the Big East. But on Saturday, UConn will continue their redemption week as they will head to MSG to face St. John's. And I th- think the biggest key to this game is is contain Joel Soriano. He had a huge game the last time. He had a double-double last time when they when St. John's went went up to XL and won 85 to 72. I think the biggest key to that game, the biggest key of the game is contains Joel Soriano any way you can. What's yeah. the, what's your key? Yeah, absolutely. Contain Joel, Joel Soriano is right up there. Um yeah, 19 and 30. He's been a double-double machine. I didn't really think he fit. I remember watching him at Fordham and I know when he transferred, I was like, I don't think he really fits that offense, but they've been he's it's been able to work and he's played really, really well. Um, you know, guy's not great outside of five feet offensively, but um, he's been a great addition to that team. Uh, my big one is do not guard them at the three point line like last time. This team is one of the worst three point shooting teams in the country, and for whatever reason, and that's all St. John's wants to do. It's like probably they just want to go to the basket to get layups. We fed right into their game plan. I again, I know. I've said a lot about Hurley, the stubbornness of just uh, the same game plan day in and day out. Like, I, I think you, they root again, cause St. John's will, will again, the same game plan is to be tough to beat them. If, if they do that again, um, actually I see Zanuck off, off topic, off topic, but what was the best UConn final four moment for you? Mine was Shabazz taking over Kentucky. Um, my, mine was uh, Kemba Walker at the Big East tournament. That was unbelievable. The five games in five nights, and that yeah. led to the uh, to the NCAA to them winning the national championship. I'd say I'd say it was Kemba uh, w- uh, with the five five games in five nights at the Big East tournament, and then the run to win the national championship. That was my my, my favorite moment. 
Yeah, that one, the Kemba one. Um, I, I, for my, you know, seeing personally, it's definitely the Kemba one. I was able to go that Saturday night one, you know, the final against Louisville, and that was that was awesome. For not being, I wasn't even a lot, or well, I was like one, 99, just to beat Duke for the first title, to be like a nine point underdog and everybody betting against them, and Duke was going to take them out and all that. And Duke kind of take them out, finally win one, you know, because they've been so close for so long and they finally got it that year. You know, they, they finally got number one. You got to beat Duke. I, I feel like that was, um, for me, I, you know, that that was um, to kind of be able to, you know, I, I obviously re- we played that game and all that, but I, I think that's probably my favorite kind of UConn moment right there. The close one, too, is Kemba, the cardiac Kemba against Pittsburgh's right there as well. There's been a lot of good ones. Um, yeah, hopefully it'd be nice to get back there very yeah. soon. It definitely would be. It definitely would be. And you know, they're they're at the garden on Saturday. Hopefully they can get to the garden. There'll be they'll be at the garden in March. Hopefully they can get to the garden in late March for the mm-hmm. Sweet 16. But yeah, we'll go back to the game against St. John's. Yeah, I think I think, yeah, it's it's pretty much just containing Soriano and 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 not letting Providence and no, I'm mean, not letting St. John's get to the basket. For me, those are the case. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a big one. You know, I, the other one is too, is like St. John's, they, they value the basketball as a hot potato. Like they're so bad with the basketball. It's like press them, you know, they're going to, they temple wise, they're third in the country. Like it's, there's going to be a lot of possessions. It's like St. John's is going to make the game sloppy just, but like, you know, they've been better without, without Andre Curbelo though. Unfortunately, I don't know if he's coming back at any point this year that he's, he's suspended and Carbello doesn't know why, but I, I think it, kind of stems from the game a couple weeks ago where he chucked his sunglasses or goggles on the floor and kind of got teed up there. Um, but like that, you know, they've been a little bit better without him. But yeah, it, it, you know, I, I think you got, you, you can't just let them, um, you can't just let them get in the basket. You can't contain, you got to contain so around because they're very good on the offense glass. And hopefully there's not 55 fouls called like there was last night because there's no flow. There's no rhythm in that game. And St. John's, I think, went to the free throw line like 38. They were, 38 times or something like that. They, they, it was kind of ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the defense again, and that one's kind of, kind of, they got to show up and get ready. Um, and, you know, ho- hopefully for a noon tip there, it's, you know, there's going to be a ton of UConn fans there. You know, St. John's, I bet we'll have a big crowd as, as we're good showing as well. But yeah, I, I think for UConn, contain Soriano and just do not let them get to the basket like last time because you just fed right into what they want to do. And that's, kind of problem but they've been they've been very feisty against UConn since coming back like you know the one with no fans is the first time UConn was ranked in what five six years they went in the gamble knocked them off and they they were in control that whole game they were in control that whole game a couple weeks ago against them so St. John's kind of been a thorn at their side you know and for St. John's team that really hasn't been great since UConn moved back they they've struggled with them yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens on Saturday afternoon. I mean, it's rivalry game. UConn is. I think. Th- I think these t- these games. UConn's got to get revenge against. The t- I know Providence is good, but they got to get revenge at home and Gamble against Providence and St. John's. They're a better team than St. John's. They cannot let St. John's beat them. Beat them twice. That, that that just they just can't let that happen. But Lamar Jackson right now is in limbo. The Ravens and Lamar Jackson were in limbo with this contract situation. But before we talk about that, we are going to hear from our friends at JPEG Financial and Shamrock Home Inspections. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEG's Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. 
and to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. All righty, so uh, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson still have not agreed to a long-term deal. I mean, I mean, this thing is, this thing is de- I think, definitely going to drag on until probably March 7th until for the next two weeks. And uh, I think the Ravens, I think it's for the Ravens right now with Lamar, they got to get a long-term deal done before March 7th, or I think it's over. I think it's over with Lamar. If they don't get a long-term deal done, long-term deal done in the next two weeks, it's going to be over with Lamar and the Ravens because, uh, because uh, if, if, because I think if they give him the uh, non-exclusive franchise tag, which means that if he gets the non-exclusive tag, there it'll be thirty-two. It'll be thirty-two million against the cap. His net cap number will be thirty-two million, and he can negotiate with other teams. And if the Ravens don't match that offer, he he uh, if the Ravens don't match that offer, he goes to that other team, and the Ravens get two first-round picks. So obviously, if the Ravens don't don't get a deal done. I think they're, they're definitely going to franchise them either if it's exclusive or non-exclusive. They're going to franchise them. But I'll, let me tell you something. If the Ravens don't get a deal done in the next two weeks, in my opinion, he's gone. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I see, you know, Sanders comment, you know, the it's plain disrespectful, you know, Lamar, what they offered him, you know, with, with the injury. I, yeah. You know, like I get the injury questions too, but yeah. Cause especially he's, he's like, Oh, such a, big part of their offense and what they do, like they tail their offense to them. And, you know, I know they brought in Tom Munkin, who's, you know, has run a couple different o- offenses at the college level. Like, you know, Oak State, he ran the air raid last year, kind of ran something more for his tight ends, kind of a more pro style set at Georgia. Um, but yeah, you know, they got to get something done here. Again, it doesn't help that he doesn't have, you know, that he's kind of representing himself here. You know, I think kind of could hurt him a little bit, but, Look, you know, I think he's somebody that has deserved the money. But yeah, I think if the Ravens, um, yeah, if they don't pay him, it, it, you know, they they could definitely be, you know, um, especially what you saw when 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 Huntley was hurt in there and Anthony Brown. It's like, yeah, they they need Lamar Jackson for that offense. Um, he sees that they could tag him, but guess what? You know, he won't play on a tag. Um. Yeah, you know, he, he just, again, that's it, another thing. And if he decides not to come in, they eat the tax salary and miss out on services. Yeah, I mean, l- l- listen, listen, listen. Yeah, it, it, it is, it's definitely disrespectful that they, have, that they haven't paid him yet. Xander is 100% right. Yeah. And, yeah, you, lo- you made the point. You look at this team when he hasn't played. They've won two games in two years. They have two wins. And, I mean, some of those wins were against some – were against bad teams too. One of them was against – I mean, the Steelers, that was a – that was a pretty good win, but they beat the Falcons. So they've yeah. they're two and nine, two and two, two. I think, yeah, two and eight, two and eight without Lamar Jackson. And without Lamar Jackson, yes, he gets hurt a lot, but he's clearly a top ten quarterback in this league. He's never had a true number one receiver, and he's won an MVP. He should be getting paid. I think it's. I think I'm. I'm with Xander. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that this guy has not has not gotten paid yet. I, I, I think is it, it, it's a, it's absurd. It, 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 it's crazy he hasn't gotten paid yet. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I agree with both of you guys that yeah, he should be able he should have got paid by now. You know, instead of the Ravens kind of yeah, the 130 million guaranteed is that's that's uh you know that that's a slap in the face. It's insulting yeah, he's, he's seeing been, what Deshaun Watson got. It's insulting. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, it, it definitely is. I think, yeah, that's and again I, I don't blame him for kind of holding out here and it want getting trying to get what he wants, you know, contract wise. Yeah, he's deserved it. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, he's had Mark Andrews a really good tight end one of the best in the game but yeah he's he's not had a number one wide receiver again if they could somehow in the wide receiver court been one of the worst the last couple of years in the sport like yeah he hasn't had a ton um wide receiver help and it's been a lot of mark andrews he still found a way to win mvp they definitely he definitely should um they, they definitely should have they definitely should raise their offer with them um but yeah it'll be interesting it, it'll, it'll be interesting what happens in a couple of weeks because yeah you know I, I could see him maybe holding out because it 
now. I can't imagine because he's negotiating all this himself. So I can't imagine that the relationship right now in that front office is a good one. I probably isn't. And the thing is, though, as like I said earlier, if if they give him that non-exclusive tag, he's gone. He's gone because you got teams like the you got teams like the Falcons who are who are definitely going to be in on him. You got teams like the Jets. Got teams like the Commanders. You got teams like the Ra- the Raiders. They're all going to be in on him. They're all going to be in on him, and they're probably going to offer him a deal that 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 he's going to want. So. And this is the one guy, like a lot of, you know, guys that get the franchise tag, the non-exclusive tag, aren't worth two first-round picks. This is a guy that is worth two first-round picks. So if there's a non-exclusive franchise tag, he he's gone. And you said earlier, we talked about Lamar Jackson, one of your buddies who was who's friends with Anthony Brown, he said the Ravens, it looks like things are going so poorly between him and the Ravens that it's probably over. Yeah, I haven't talked to him last couple weeks, so I don't know if there's a new update on that or anything. But yeah, you know, it, it yeah, what he said, it, it kind of did not sound good. It did not sound like they were, uh, you know, coming to inclusion anytime soon. I feel like a little bit too, like the enemy going to commanders, doesn't that feel like a little bit like Washington feels like, you know, they, they got a good shot at him too. Like I know BME's trying, but like, why would, why would he go to that job to get, why would Eric BME go to that job if, you know, for, for Sam Howell? Like I know, he, instead of get take get getting the Raven job and and supposedly coaching Lamar Jackson, but it looks like, he, but there's uncertainty in yeah. Washington. How crazy it sounds comparing Sam Howell to Lamar Jackson. There's at least certainty in our direction at the quarterback position right now. The Ravens don't have a dire, don't have any direction at the quarterback position. No, no, they they don't. And you know, I, I feel like you know that could be kind of maybe Washington feels like too that they have a good shot here at Lamar Jackson. They could find a way to um to um you know there he's going to go on the nine exclusive franchise tag and washington's going to be is going to spend the money to go out and try to um sign him like i, I kind of feel like me you know maybe that's a part of why the enemy did go sign with washington it, it, it might have been it might have been but yeah i mean yeah and, and we just saw xander's comment five years 300 300 million 200 guaranteed yeah get the thing if you're baltimore get the deal done Get the deal done. And, and they're and they're going to sit there and say, the Ravens, oh, we won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer. Well, that was a totally different game in 2000. And they're going to say, oh, we won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. Well, look at your roster when you won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. You had a good running back in Ray Rice. You had a good wide receiver in Anquan Bolden. You had a Hall of Famer at linebacker in Ray Lewis. You had, a, you had another first-bound Hall of Famer in Ed Reed. You had another Hall of Fame pass rusher in Terrell Suggs. You had a great roster around Joe Flacco. Baltimore's roster is good. It's not what it was when Trent Dilfer was the quarterback in 2000, and it definitely wasn't what it was in Flacco's first five years. So this is the best. Don't, there's no argument here. I know Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. This is the best quarterback in your franchise's history. You need to pay him. Yeah, absolutely. And I know the Ravens at times have kind of, you know, they, they've kind of been stingy, you know, at this, you know, at paying. But, yeah, you absolutely have to. You know, the difference maker that he makes on that offense you know, as you mentioned a little bit, you know, for them to be two and nine when he's not, when he's been out, again, it's it's eye opening. Again, you've seen that offense. It's not like they're losing games thirty five to, you know, forty. It, it, you know, they're they're having trouble scoring. You know, it, it's been such a big part of that offense that yeah, you have to get this thing done. Um, because especially in that division too, that the the you know what what Joe Burrow's been able to do with the Bengals, you know, Cleveland's Cleveland, but again, they do have a quarterback for the first time in a while that is capable of putting points up Kenny Pickett you know you know we'll, we'll see what happens with Kenny Pickett and the Steelers but again they're always like it this is such a tough division there's so many good rivals in that division that yeah you know again you you, you can't fall you know far behind you can't fall too far behind you know Harbaugh's a great coach but yeah you lose a guy like you know Lamar Jackson you're not gonna you got no chance to win that division if Lamar Jackson if Lamar Jackson is on that field in the first round of the playoffs, the Ravens win that game. There is no way the, the Ravens don't win that game if Lamar Jackson doesn't play against the Bengals. They win the game. They definitely win yeah. the game because that fumble does not happen. That, that fumble does not happen. If Lamar plays, the, the Ravens win. And you talked about the division. The, the Bengals are going to be a top team for the next 10 to 15 years with the quarterback they have. The Steelers are always going to be good because they're the Steelers. They're the best organization in football. And they have a, we don't know if Pickett's the guy or not, but still. They they always figure it out. The Steelers, you can count on them always figuring it out. Mike Thomas has never Mike Thomas has never had a losing season. The Browns, we don't know, but you're going to have at least two teams that are going to be playoff and Super Bowl contenders in that division for the next decade. So if you're the Ravens, you 
you, you've got to get this done. You've got no choice. you got to get it done in the next two weeks. Yeah, you absolutely do. You know, there's there's no excuses. Again, I can't imagine that fan base is going to be very happy if if Lamar Jackson is is you know they don't they can't get a deal done with them next couple weeks. I can't imagine that fan base is going to be very happy with with the organization. So yeah, absolutely, I think there's a lot of pressure right now on the Ravens to get that done. Um, yeah, you know they they definitely do beat the Bengals because yeah they 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 were the better team, especially up front. Like the Ravens, uh, definitely Lamar Jackson win that football game. So. Yeah, they, they they really do need Lamar Jackson, you know, as their starting quarterback. Um, especially, you know, you know, you, you don't want to lose him to somebody else. Because, yeah, you mentioned, again, the Jets maybe get him. Because he, he makes any of those teams better. And, yeah, it, it'll, it'll be very frustrating. Again, I and who knows where kind of the Baltimore goes after that. They lose Lamar Jackson because, uh, you know. They're, they're going to have to rechange that whole offense. I know Todd Munkin could do that. I know right now it doesn't sound like he's got a set offense yet. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, they they, they got to sign Lamar Jackson the next couple of weeks. They got to get that thing done. Absolutely, absolutely. Now we'll move on to the Giants. And the interesting thing is they got two free agents with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. The big question is what do they do with these two free agents? It was pretty easy for me until, la- until this week. It was pay Daniel Jones, give him a long-term deal and franchise Saquon. But seeing Daniel Jones's contract demands, we were hearing rumors that he wants $45 million a year, and Daniel Jones had a really good year, but you're not paying Daniel Jones Patrick Mahomes money. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. But if I'm getting Daniel Jones for $35 million, I'm absolutely taking it. 40 eh, I got to think about that one. But for $35 million, I'm definitely ta- I'm definitely paying Daniel Jones. I'm absolutely paying him because he'd be like the 10th highest paid quarterback in the league. He would have a new contract, and he'd be the 10th highest paid quarterback in the league. I'm taking that any day of the week, but 45, no way. But the, the big thing is, is say Jones wants, he, st- that's, he, he, he wants 45 million, then you're forced to franchise him. And that's not good for the Giants. That's not good for the Giants because that leaves Barkley to being a free agent. And the thing about the thing about Barkley is you really don't want to lock him up long-term because you don't, he, he, he could, you know about running, you know, running backs, they wear down, they wear down. You don't, you don't really want to sign Barkley to like a, a four-year deal worth like 14 million a year. Because, you know, you never know what's going to happen on the back end of that contract and it's, what's going to happen on the back end of that deal. So this this demand by Daniel Jones is really hurt, is kind of hurting what the Gi- what the Giants want to do. It's, it definitely puts them in an interesting situation because you're not paying Daniel Jones 45. If he wants 45, you have, you're going to have to franchise him for 32 million. That's just what you're going to have to do. And then you're going to have to see what and then you'll see what happens with Saquon. You either let him walk or you give him the or you give him, you know, or you give or you sign Barkley to a long term deal. As a Giants fan, I want I want Daniel Jones signed to a, a reasonable long-term deal and franchise Saquon. That's what I want. That's the that, that's the situation I think a lot of Giants fans want. But the way things are going right now, it it doesn't look like that that might end up happening because of the demand because of the demands of Daniel Jones. Yeah, you now I was a little surprised when I saw the forty-five million because I'm with you. I again, he does not uh, Daniel Jones. You need both. Can't can't and won't be successful. Just one. Uh, here's where I might disagree there. I think you could draft another running back in the, in the later rounds, maybe and pair him with Brita. And I think you, you actually could have success. I mean, you really don't want to pay. You've seen these running back contracts. Zeke's contract, yeah. Xander knows for sure was an absolute disaster, was a disaster. Christian McCaffrey's contract was the, the, he's not even on the Carolina Panthers anymore. These running back contracts are a disaster. So, uh uh, to say need both, I think you need Daniel Jones more because Daniel Jones proved this year he's a top fifteen quarterback in the league. Saquon Barkley, yeah, he's 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 a top running back in the league when he's healthy. But realistically, but really, he's only been healthy two of the five years he's been there. So uh, uh, I, I don't think the Giants can afford to lose the quarterback because it's gonna. I think it's gonna be much harder for the Giants to replace the quarterback than it's gonna be for them to replace the running back. The Giants could just take a running back in the fifth or sixth round, or even in the third or fourth round, pair him with Matt Breida, and say both running backs, you know, rush for 60 yards a game. You've got 120 yards rushing. It's so much easier to replace a running back than a quarterback. That's why I I, I think the Giants cannot afford to lose Daniel Jones at any cost. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, with um yeah, especially with a good offensive scheme, it's it's easy kind of have that two running back tango tango. Um and, and yeah, so you could find it like like look at Pacheco this year with the Chiefs being a seventh rounder, what they were able to do with him. So 
Yeah, I feel like it's a, it's so it's a little bit easier to kind of replace that running back spot than the quarterback spot. But yeah, if he wants forty five, you're gonna have to franchise tag him. Yeah, I wouldn't go more than thirty five million. Didn't he fire his agent too? I thought he read he somewhere did. He as changed, well. He so. changed agents. He changed agents, which is not a great sign either. No. Which is which is not that good. It's not, it's not a good sign either. So it's definitely concerning. And and you know, the last couple of weeks, you know, hearing that he you know he might be making thirty five mil, I was like, great, great, thirty five million a year. I'll take it. I'll take thirty five million a year if he gets a three or four year deal for thirty five mil. I'll take it. But and, and franchise Saquon, I'll, I'll I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that a heartbeat. You know, we get I mean, get both those guys locked up. Then we before free agency starts, then we can start improving our roster. But the way it's going now, it's it's not looking great for the Giants because they're going to have to. You know, they're going to have to. It looks like they're probably going to have to put the franchise because Daniel Jones is going anywhere. But you would rather have a long term deal with him than put the franchise tag on him. But it looks like the Giants got the tag, put the franchise tag on Daniel Jones, and then it's 50-50 seeing what happens with Barkley. I mean, either they let him walk or they give him the, give him the long-term deal. It's very risky to give a running back a long-term deal. Very, very risky. So, so I mean, I think it's, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Giants in the next two weeks. Yeah, absolutely will. Because, yeah, Jones, you, you got to, especially, yeah, with the progress he's made this year under Brian Dable, it, it's definitely something that you kind of want to see, you know, what, what else Brian Dable can do with them. And, yeah, with Barkley, it's, it's tough because, yeah, he wants McCaffrey money, but – even the McCaffrey one, he's making what sixteen million a year. That's a yeah. lot for a running back. I know he's he, he's a he, and he's one of the best in the sport with everything you do and change your offense. And Barkley's a really good running back when he's healthy. And he had a really good bounce back season. It was great to see. But yeah, it's too risky to give a running back that much, especially with all the injury concerns he's had. Um, I know he's kind of big. He's built. Um, you know, he's. He's been a really good running back when he's healthy, but yeah, it just it's it's too big a risk. And don't you you know? Just I know they, we haven't, but like in Julian Love too, you know, that's somebody you got to reset. Right, I was thinking I was reading too that Giants have about forty four million in cap, yeah, cap space this year. So yeah, it's it's tough because you. I assume you want to keep Love too, right, in the back end. You got to see. You got to see. We'll yeah. see. If, we'll see. I mean, it's and it's all going to come down to what we do with with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. If we, you know, give Daniel Jones, we agree to a long term deal, we can move that money around. But if he plays on the franchise tag, we're stuck with that thirty two million dollar cap hit, and then we got to might have to pay Barkley, you know, fourteen million next year, and then probably Julian Love may, might have to end up walking. Julian Love will probably have to end up walking. So. We'll see it. It's all going to depend on what happens with Daniel Jones. If, if we if we could sign like a Julian Love, we can get him back on this team. It all depends. It's all going to depend on Jones. I, I my number one choice is a long term deal because you can move the money around. You can restructure the contract. Signing guy with a franchise tag, you have, you have one cap hit. You're stuck with that thirty two million dollar cap hit. That's why I really want the long I really want the long term deal in franchise Barkley. But it seems like it might it's it's it, 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 it seems like it might not be headed there. Reading the reports this week. No, yeah, right now it doesn't seem like it is at all. And yeah, it's, it's disappointing because I, I thought Jones was going to, I figured, yeah, Jones would be okay signing something right around 35 million, you know, for a couple, you know, for what, how, forever, how long. And then, yeah, you go off Barkley, franchise tag him, and yeah, you're, you're on your way. And you kind of, you know, whatever else you want to get done this offseason, Giants can do. But yeah, it, it, again, yeah, it's, it's something where, yeah, if Jones doesn't take, if Jones doesn't, um, you know, if you got a franchise tag, Jones, and yeah, Barkley, yeah, it's, it's tough. You want to give a running back, you know, something three, four years for fourteen million. It's just, it, it's you're, you're definitely right. It's too risky, and you don't see a lot of teams really give, um, you know, second, you know, um, re resign running backs because yeah, it just it's too much of a risk. And you know, look, it's unfortunate for him because there's some really good ones out there, but it's just yeah, it's the injury concerns. It's kind of the workload. Um, yeah, it's it's something too where yeah, you know, you're right. You could kind of find something in the back end of a draft and they can kind of you can plug them in and you know you'll be able to survive with them. So yeah, it's tough and it's um definitely something that hopefully the Giants can kind of figure out in the next couple of weeks here. But yeah, right now it doesn't seem like it's um uh, it's headed well right now in that direction. No, no, no. We hope that uh I hope personally that Jones's contract demands change and we can get this thing worked out, but We'll see. We'll see. But it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with the Giants in the next couple of weeks. But we will move on to the team that plays in their stadium, and that's the Jets, and that's their quarterback situation. They had Derek Carr in their building this week. It went really, really well. But the big question is, is do they wait on Aaron Rodgers? Do they wait on Lamar Jackson? Or do they just say, you know what? We got a guy in Derek Carr who, who, who wants to be here. We want him here. Do we just say, you know what? 
we'll go with with, with our with our defense, with our top defense, and with our with guys like Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall and Elijah Moore with our weapons on offense. We just signed Derek Carr and we go from there. And I think that's what they should do. Honestly, I think they should just sign Derek Carr. Not wait for because you don't want to wind up with neither of the three guys. That would be a disaster. That would be that would be disaster if you wind up with neither of the three. I think you got to go with you know you got you you got to go you got to get one of those three. And I think you got a really good opportunity to go to get Derek Carr. I, I I think they should get Derek Carr. Yes, would Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers be upgrades? Absolutely. But I feel like with the right pieces around Derek Carr, you could make a run. You could make a run. You you could make. I know he doesn't ever want a playoff game. But with the but he was in he was in one of the worst organizations in the league for almost a decade. If you and the Jets have drafted really really well, they have a really good roster with the worst quarterback play in football. They won seven games last year. So if you if you if you put a good roster around Derek Carr, I think you have a chance to make a run. And I think this is the move you should make instead of waiting for Aaron Rodgers because he's still because Rodgers is still under contract with the Packers or waiting for Lamar Jackson. I think this is the move you got to make. I think I think you got to sign Derek Carr. Yeah, you know that that's not a bad. Uh, you know that's definitely something that it sounds like you know it's probably their plan B option behind Rodgers. I heard too from his actually it was his brother David Carr so saying you know it sounds like he Derek Carr's going to take his time too and kind of wait it out and really take his time. So that could help the Jets if this Aaron Rodgers thing kind of you know I don't know how long Carr will wait, but yeah, it, again, if it's starting to kind of become close where you know. Derek's kind of made deciding to go to New Orleans instead of New York because New York's still kind of waiting around. And yeah, I, I definitely think the Jets had to pull the trigger on Derek Carr. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll see how long it kind of takes here for Aaron Rodgers to kind of decide what he wants to do here and what happens with Lamar Jackson in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, I think for the Jets getting Derek Carr, it's definitely an upgrade. Um, obviously from Zach Wilson. I think he's a good veteran presence to have in that team and, and will help out. And yeah, you know, I know he hasn't won. I wonder, like, if he doesn't break his ankle, what 2016? I I bet they beat the Texans though. So like, I, I wonder what would happen then, because he's only had one other shot in the playoffs, I believe. You know, because again, like in, in that year too, he was he was right there for in the MVP category conversation. You know, so you know, I, I definitely agree. If you put the right guys around him, you put a good coach staff around him, he'll be fine, and he'll he'll win you more games and he'll lose you games. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I think Derek Carr would definitely be a good piece for the Jets if, you know, Lamar and Aaron Rodgers are kind of, if things, you know, they're still kind of waiting on things there and it's still, and Derek Carr's getting ready to sign. Yeah. I think you got to pull the trigger on Derek Carr. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, as, as much as you'd love to have Aaron Rodgers with Lamar Jackson, I mean, Rodgers is obviously still under contract and Lamar, we don't know what's going to happen there. You just, there's just so many unknowns there. And, uh, if you're the Jets, you have a guy who, your, meet, your meeting went really well with them. And I know there's people that don't want – that think that, you know, the Packers are definitely going to get rid of Aaron Rodgers, but you can't bank on that. You can't bank on that. You got you got, you got to, you got to, you got to see what you have now. And I think Derek Carr is a definitely a good solution at the quarterback position. I, I, I really – I really – I like Carr on the Jets. I think the Jets are a playoff team with Derek Carr. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening, but I just think that's the best option. Yeah, it absolutely is. It, it absolutely will be if, if – Rodgers said, yeah, you know, who knows? Yeah, because who knows? Because it seems like the last couple of years, it's always been the talk of, you know, Rodgers is, you know, the Packers are thinking of trading him. And again, it, it's always, so far, it's been, st- he's been sticking out on Green Bay. So again, things would obviously change. But yeah, it, you know, their car, I think, is a fine piece for that team. Um, and again, yeah, they're not going to be better than Buffalo, but they will be in the wild card. I, they're definitely a playoff team. They're probably the second best team in the division. Um, they're right there with the doll. I, you know, I'd, they'd be a little bit better than the Dolphins, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think Derek Carr is a good fit for him. And I think he's somebody that, that will um, be a really nice addition. They'll be healthier in the O-line, too. So, I, I, that's always been a problem, too, in Vegas and Oakland, that he just – the offensive protection was never great there either. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, Jets should definitely pull the trigger on Derek Carr if, if, if it comes to that point. Yeah, and you're and you're not the good. The thing is, is you're not going to have to give give up as much for Derek Carr. Like for the, if you're getting Aaron Rodgers, you're giving up at least at least your first round pick, maybe even more. And then Lamar Jackson. I mean, if you're getting Lamar Jackson, say say Lamar signs the non exclusive tag in two weeks, and then you come up with an offer, the Ravens don't match, and you end up you end up getting him. You're giving up two first round picks. So Derek Carr, you're not going to have to give up anywhere near as much for him. 
you might have to give up like I'd say maybe a two, like a second round pick for Derek Carr, but you're not giving up, definitely not giving up as much for Derek Carr as you would give up for Rodgers or Lamar. So I think that's that's gotta be the way to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you you definitely wouldn't. Um, you know, and again, who knows kind of what Rodgers too kind of felt like he was a little bit on the decline. Do you really want to give up that much for a guy that's aging? who's making so much money, you know, are you going to get the best out of Aaron Rodgers next couple of years? So, yeah, I, I think somebody, yeah, Derek Hart, definitely going to be the cheaper three options. Um, and because the Jets have done pretty well in the draft, you know, Joe Douglas, I feel like he's done a really good job in the draft and how many of those picks do you really want to give up. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, Carr would be the, you know, three of the cheapest, op- or he'd be the ch- cheapest option there. Um, and to keep most of your picks too. You know, that definitely kind of helps out and build that team more um, around them. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll wrap up the show talking about the Fox firing Nate McMillan. I think, as I said last week, this was the most disappointing team in the league, in my opinion. And I think they agree with me because they just fired their head coach in Nate McMillan. So I think this is a move that had to be made. I think this team is completely underachieved, especially with two really good guards, DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. I think this team is really, is really, really underachieved. I think their expectations were to compete with teams like the like the Celtics, the Bucks, the Cavs, uh, the Sixers. They they they, they, they thought uh, trading for Dejounte Murray was going to get them to get them there, but it has been anything but that. They're right now they're in eighth place in the Eastern Conference, and uh, they have not been playing well at all. So I think this was a move that needed to be made. We're hearing that Quinn Snyder is the favorite, and I would like Quinn Snyder going to the Hawks. So I think they would be better with him, but I think it's a good move by the Hawks firing Nate McMillan. Yeah, you know, it was right around the same time a couple of years ago. They, they, um, I remember, yeah, yeah I remember, yeah. remember they hired yeah. Nate McMillan as the interim and he took him to the conference finals. It's, yeah. yeah, it seems like it's deja vu. Yeah, it does, you know, and, and maybe that's what the team needs for another spark here, you know. Um, yeah, I know Trey, Trey Young's numbers have been down offensively this year, but yeah, they've been very mediocre. Um, especially in the defensive end, they have been great. And I know McMillan's more of a old school type of mentality guy, and maybe they do want somebody. It's got me a little bit different as a philosophy. You know, Quinn Snyder, I think, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Quinn Snyder would be a great fit for that team. Um, you know, because, again, they got a decision coming up with Trey Young, too, and is how, how you know, you know, Trey Young, I bet, wants to be on a team that's going to be able to compete, and I think the, the organization has got to kind of show them. They made the the investment to get Murray this offseason, and, um, you know, I, I they're a good enough roster to kind of compete in that Eastern Conference. It just has to come together, and, Definitely feels like you know maybe a coaching move definitely um helps that and and gets gets a spark going and under that um under that team. Absolutely, 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 absolutely. So that's gonna wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ for Justin Anafrio. I'm Steve Risser. We will be back next week talking more UConn basketball, Duke, North Carolina, and any NFL news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to me. Taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, the Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.